Hello, Indigenous Seeds Podcast. My name is Tony. I'm a youth liaison at Terry Root Society. Indigenous Seeds is a youth council branch from Terry Root Society, supporting one another, grow their communities, while preserving their cultures, values, and environment. I would like to introduce our guest, Amy Gordon, clinical counselor and adventure therapist. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. First of all, thank you so much for interviewing me, for having me on your show. It's such an honor. I think uh, what you all do is just incredible. Uh, yeah, my name is Amy Gordon. I use she, her pronouns. Um, and uh, yeah, I am the, the lead clinician for Tewa Root Society at Nande Pueblo. Awesome. Thank you. Um, well, we have a great episode lined up for today's listeners. So let me introduce my co-host, Laura. Um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, Laura? Um, my name is Laura Armendariz. I live in Nambe Pueblo. Uh, I work with Taylor Root Society. I'm an intern here. Um, I'm excited for today's podcast. And yeah, let's get started. All right, cool. Now that everybody's introduced, uh, we'll get on to the first question, which is, um, where did you work before and how did you get involved in Taylor Root Society? Yeah, uh, so previous to working at Tewa Root Society, I was at the Mountain Center, formerly known as the Santa Fe Mountain Center, for three years. Um, so I think from July 2017 to July 2020. And uh, during my time there, I met Ryan Martinez, who's the um, the program director here at Tewa Root Society. So uh, he and I co-facilitated some groups and got to know each other. Um, and when this position became available, I reached out to him and, and asked if I could interview for it, and I got the job. So I guess the rest is history. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. So what is your profession? Can you talk a little bit about it and what you typically do? Sure. Um, so the the types of therapy that I practice, it's sort of a, com- well, it's an, it's an integrated model with um, kind of a number of different uh, facets, but primarily I practiced, uh, I practiced feminist psychotherapy and adventure therapy. Um, so since COVID, uh, I've been working a lot more with individuals, couples, and families because we haven't been able to get groups together. Um, I have done a few Zoom-based groups before um, previous to, to working here, but uh, yeah, for the most part, I'm working with, with constellations of like, you know, small families and, and uh individuals and couples, like I said. So, um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, just to speak to what, um, you know, what therapists do is really kind of, um, you know, it's a collaborative relationship. The client is really, you know, the, the expert on themselves. And I've just got some, you know, some different training and education in different areas. I can help um, people apply to their lives. So if they want to uh, reduce or quit using a substance or if they're struggling with depression or anxiety or any number of diagnoses or just, you know, life struggles, um, you know, I just really help people through that. I kind of think of the process as being like a midwife or something. I'm not the one giving birth, um, but I, I've got the skills and the training to help somebody get through their process um, safely. I see. So you talked about getting trainings, but whenever you were growing up, did you see yourself becoming a therapist or did that happen when you got older? (laughs) That is such a funny question because I went to grad school for therapy and I didn't even think I wanted to be a therapist when I was in grad school. Um, It took... So when I decided to go to grad school to be a counselor, um, I had been working in the human services field for over a decade 
And I kind of, um, you know, the people who are getting promoted to be like supervisors and stuff all had a master's degree in a related field. And I thought, I just want a master's degree in a related field. And I thought the program uh, at Southwestern College where I went in Santa Fe, um, I thought it uh, would, would just be a good fit for me and that I would gain a lot from that. So I ended up going to grad school with the intention of uh, just working in administration, really supervision and administration but um, during my time there, I really uh, learned a lot about myself. Um, I started working. I had a number of different jobs while I was in grad school. And at some point, I, I realized that <laughs> I do love therapy. That And actually, I entered the field of adventure therapy, which was way more interesting to me than, um, than what most therapy typically is. So I think it gained my interest. Um, kind of doing the practicing adventure therapy while I was in um, my last few years of school. So uh, no, I did not think I was going to be a therapist, but I love it. I think the idea of seeing like back-to-back clients, like having a caseload of like 30 and just like, you know, listening, I, I thought that, and it, that really wouldn't be a good fit for me. Um, so, but working with groups outdoors, um, that's really like my forte. I really love doing that. And I do love working with individuals, couples and families, but kind of a smaller amount than a typical therapist would. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I'm really happy doing adventure therapy because I get to do more group facilitation as part of the job. Dang, that's really cool. Um, you talked about like your like you like adventure therapy more. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess uh, seeing your your clients. Can you tell us more about uh, adventure therapy? Sure. Yeah, I could go on and on about adventure therapy, huh? Um, I, you all have heard me, which is why I laugh. <laughs> yeah, I think um, adventure therapy, you know, in a million different ways can present an opportunity for clients to uh, really gain like a different perspective on their lives. So one one of the things that we always bring into an adventure therapy program or even individual adventure therapy, couples, family adventure therapy, is some level of novelty, um, something really kind of out of the ordinary that people wouldn't think to do um, in therapy that they wouldn't do in their day-to-day life. And that really provides the opportunity for gaining perspective on their life. Um, I like to think of it as kind of like going on vacation or climbing a mountain um, and just looking down. So viewing your life from a different perspective. And I think that um, a lot of adventure therapy techniques really provide people the opportunity for that incredible insight just based on having this experience and seeing themselves do something they didn't think that they were going to (laughs) do. Can you give us a little insight on how you let your clients participate in your sessions, like how you include them? Sure. Um, Well, it's always an invitation, never like a demand. So, you know, if I'm asking somebody to uh, do something that feels uncomfortable to them, so it might be, um, you know, it could be even rock climbing or something. Um, You know, it's always an invitation. I make that really clear because we don't want to pressure people into doing something that they're uncomfortable with. And we definitely don't want people to like push themselves beyond their window of tolerance and just do something kind of in a dissociated state. So it's always really calm and gentle and an invitation and we can adapt the invitation to meet their needs. Um, you know, if, if need be, but, um, you know, as a feminist psychotherapist also, which is part of my practice, one of the most important things that we do is, um, provide informed consent. And that's been, a practice in the field now, which really came from feminist psychotherapy. But um, 
Yeah, really just letting letting people know what you're doing, why you're doing it, and just being thorough and giving them all the information. Because what that does is it empowers the client. Like I said before, they're the expert on themselves. So part of the work is to kind of take the therapist off the expert's pedestal and, um, and really lift up the client and, and make them feel as empowered as possible. Um, did that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I know for some of our activities, um, I think kayaking is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us more activities that you, other activities that you do on adventure therapy? Sure. Well, yeah, kayaking is definitely one of the most adventurous things. But um, as far as like kind of these peak experiences that people can have, um, you know, some of the things that we'll do are uh, climbing or so rock climbing on rocks or on like um, you could do like high ropes courses, which could include um, which could include some rock climbing too. indoor rock climbing is another option. Um, hiking, backpacking, um, just camping. Uh, I think I already said rafting, snowshoeing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess kind of any, like here at Taylor Roots, we even have, we have paintball guns, you know? And mm-hmm. so depending on the group, we wouldn't bust out paintball guns, <laughs> just, you know, highly traumatized people, but, <laughs> um, but certain groups, you know, it might be appropriate for. So, um, we really, yeah, those are some of the like bigger things, but really there are a billion different, um, activities. Um, and most of them kind of came from the field of experiential education. And we just put kind of a prescriptive therapeutic twist on it around here. Um, but there are all sorts of name games, icebreakers, energizers, problem solvers, regulation activities, all sorts of things that we use for different reasons, depending on the group. Oh, can you tell us why icebreakers are kind of important? Sure. Um, so icebreakers, they can really like increase the comfort level. So you're building rapport, um, you know, among, among group members, as well as the facilitator or therapist. And so um, it's a way for people to begin sharing a little bit about themselves in a safe way. Uh, It can also be fun. There are a lot of really fun icebreakers. So putting a smile on people's face and um, kind of getting them a little more connected with their body. Uh, And yeah, just in learning names, you know, so that especially as a facilitator, you want to be able to call on people respectfully, not like, hey, you in the black hat. Like, (laughs) Um, so yeah, for all those reasons, um, icebreakers can really help people warm up to um, working together, functioning together. Uh, do you like using like the same techniques or like um, activities for um, different age groups? Yeah, because I liked yeah. how you're saying you can't just give someone that's been through a lot of trauma a paintball gun. <laughs> so like, how do you decide like what techniques you want to use for a certain client or like a different groups? Like, how do you decide what you want to do that day? Yeah, um, well... You know, it's really helpful to have been exposed for many years to a lot of different activities. So you've got a large repertoire to choose from. Um, but there are some basics, you know, so um, definitely with like a group of like adolescent teenage boys, I'm going to do a lot of energizer activities because that is just um, the, the way that most of most of the, the young guys you know, function best is really like, first of all, burning off some extra energy, um, then staying engaged, like through physical activity, uh, and then just kind of processing stuff that comes up during those activities, which might be a little more competitive than some others. So, um, yeah, I use a lot of the same activities for, for youth or adults. 
Um, for youth, I try to keep it a little simpler because learning like rules um, can be challenging. Like if it's just like complicated rules um, over and over, like it's very exhausting to a little brain. But um, yeah, for adults, I'm all about just like honoring the inner child, working with yeah. our inner children. <laughs> and so I just love watching adults light up, um, playing games or, you know, doing activities that really might feel like a child's game. But it's in kind of a, you know, I don't call space is safe and because nothing is innately safe now you can't guarantee that everybody's going to feel safe but we create as safe of an environment as possible we'll call it like a safe container um sometimes in the field i, I don't like saying that like yeah. i said but um you know if it's a group of adults who maybe they all live together at a residential treatment facility or uh, they all work together and it's kind of like a workplace retreat whatever we're we're doing um yeah, it's if they're surrounded by their peers, it can often feel pretty safe to play like a little kid in some ways. So, um, yeah, sometimes I'll, you know, I'll, I'll use, you know, kid games for adults and adult yeah. games for kids and whatever. It really just depends on kind of what the need is. Um, so if it's a group of, say, adolescent females, um, female youth, you know, who have been uh, maybe there's been a lot of conflict in the home. Maybe they're also at a residential treatment center and there's been a lot of conflict. I might do more problem solving activities and help them practice like actually um, solving conflict together. So I'm going to go out of my way to initiate conflict, to bring it up so that we can work it out. Um, yeah. So just, you know, it's just always done with intention though. Like every activity I choose is really for the purpose of healing. And I know as a therapist, you travel around a lot. You go into different Pueblos, um, they're, as a therapist, um, how would you say it? You go and counsel different people from dif different Pueblos and you need to travel. And even though the audience can't see the Mercedes outside, <laughs> um, you do use that in order to travel. So can you go into a little more depth about that and how you use it? Sure. Yeah, we are. I don't know if blessed is the right word, but you know, <laughs> something like that. We're blessed here at Tewa Root Society, where we have a mobile counseling unit, which is a state of the art Mercedes Sprinter van with like a bathroom <laughs> and a kitchenette and like a lounge area. It's incredible. Um, So it's our mobile office. And uh, for folks who, you know, they might not have access to therapy for any number of reasons. Um, it could be transportation. It could be tech, you know, technology issues. Um, I've worked with some folks who are homeless. And so I just call them and ask where they're at and I just meet them wherever they're at. Um, and so, yeah, the, the purpose of the mobile counseling unit is to meet people where they're at, um, to make therapy more accessible to them. Um, so yeah, we get around kind of all over, all over the state, really. I think right now we don't go any farther south than Albuquerque, but um, yeah, kind of the span between Albuquerque to Taos, um, we see clients. Okay, so what we want to ask you is where do you see yourself in the future with your profession? Yeah, that's a wild one. You know, I, I never know where I'm going to, you know, like the older I get, I'm just like, okay, life, I guess I'm doing this now. Um, yeah, but I think, um, I, so my goal is to continue here at Tewa Roots until I am 45. So I'm, I'm 36 now. Um, and I'm, it's quite a while. <laughs> Your birthday yeah. was just the other day too, right? Yeah, my birthday is, um, I guess it, well, it's January 29th, same as Oprah Winfrey. Um, <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm going to, I do this 
program through the through the feds. Um, that's a <laughs> it's a public service um, student loan forgiveness program, and so as long as I work for a nonprofit or government organization um, for a certain amount of time, I'll get like a hundred percent loan forgiveness. So. Um, my goal is to continue working here for until that's up. And then once I'm in my mid forties, my plan is to, um, to kind of reach out and do something in the more like public sphere. So I'm thinking like, um, you know, have you seen like therapists on reality TV shows or like call-in shows? On the oh, yeah. So, <laughs> that's my fantasy. We'll see if it happens, but I'd totally. like to lean into that around, you know, around that age. That'd be really cool. I would watch your show. Thank you. I guess you kind of answered this in a little bit, but I'll ask you again. Um, What's the difference in what you do at TRS compared to general therapy? And if people don't know, TRS is short for Terror Root Society. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's, I would say, you know, one thing that we're always doing as adventure therapists is trying to really think outside of the box um, and meet people like, you know, somebody, I, I don't, come with a plan in mind um, necessarily. Sometimes I do, but um, oftentimes I'll, now that I've been, you know, exposed to a lot of these activities for many years, um, I can be talking with somebody and say, for instance, uh, I'm asking them about themselves, just like, tell me, you know, tell me what you think. What did you, you know, how are you dealing with the election? What do you, and or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and they just seem really like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really pay attention to politics. I don't, I don't like to upset people. Um, and then it just becomes a theme. So maybe I'm like, what are you having for dinner tonight? And they're like, I don't know. Like, I don't, you know, so, um, so I might be like, all right, let's get up. We're going to go outside. Let's, you know, let's, um, let's do this activity where we've got a line in the middle of this basketball court. Um, and you're just going to step up to this side or this side. Like you have to make a decision. This is called off the fence. So, um, you can't like, you know, if I ask you like red chili or green chili better <laughs> and it's like, they, they're not allowed to straddle the line. They have to pick yeah. one side or the other, no explanation. And then they just rapid fire off cats or dogs, morning bird or night owl. Although I just like go, you know, rapid fire and they just have to like get in tune with kind of the core of themselves. So um, that's just something I do as an adventure therapist. I really like to think on my toes and really like apply what I know to that person in that moment. Um, and yeah, other than that, I think, um, you know, as an adventure therapist, there is more of a tendency to work with groups than um, most therapists in my experience. So um, that's just another another element of, of adventure therapy is that most adventure therapists tend to work more with groups than individuals, couples and families. Um, yeah, is that yeah, that's sufficient? Answer. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> okay. Um. With your, I guess, activities for adventure therapy, does that, like, I guess, give you more advantage to help your um, client open up? I think so. Absolutely. Like, um, a lot of people, it's awkward, like, sitting in a room, having a talk with somebody. A lot of folks, you know, they're really introverted um, and just getting out and moving their body, like, it just helps them open up for a number of reasons. And there's a lot of like neurobiology behind that. Um, movement can be really helpful for, um, for even integrating new knowledge. So um, there's some contention around the right brain, left brain thing, but there's some, re- there's some truth um, 
that, uh, you know, that, you know, one hemisphere is a little more like cognitive um, and verbal and the other side is a lot more kinesthetic or physical. And so when you're engaging both at the same time, that can help increase and enhance neuroplasticity and, and increase those connections and um, kind of create some grooves in the brain that are that'll really help people um, kind of make healthier choices or be a little sharper when it comes to like their coping mechanisms and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I could also go on and on about that, but um, that's kind of, yeah, maybe it in a nutshell. Um, thank you. Um, <laughs> um, so you can see that you really enjoy your job that you like enjoy what you're doing. You love helping people. So what's some advice that you could give to someone that's also interested in a career similar to yours? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have folks here at Tewa Roots who do therapeutic adventure programming. So, you know, you, you don't even need to have a college degree necessarily to do that. Um, but you can use a lot of the same techniques. You're just not going to like dive as deep when it comes to like, um, trauma recovery and that sort of thing. So it's a lot more skills based and less, less processing, more learning skills. Um, but you know, that's if you're, so if you're like school is not for me, but you want to do something similar, that's an option being, um, a therapeutic adventure facilitator or a guide for a wilderness or adventure therapy program. Um, other if, so if you want to do, you know, the clinical work, clinical adventure therapy, um, I would, I would definitely suggest having experience in kind of both in some experiential education program and um, having the the education at the very least um, in some mental health field. So it could be social work or counseling or psychology, um, but getting, you know, degree and that like clinical training at the same time as you're learning the experiential stuff. Um, so you can kind of, you can do both and then like, you know, find your way um, like, like I did kind of where they both ends meet at some point. Um, what would you go like to get experience or like, I guess, like, what would you do to get experience? Yeah, well, there are a few programs. So um, there are a lot of wilderness therapy programs that use some adventure therapy techniques. They are a little more like, um, you know, backcountry kind of um, based, but they're, you know, that can be good experience. Um, there are some educational programs, actually, that are specifically for adventure therapy. Um, so I think there's a program in um, at the University of New Hampshire, maybe, and uh, Naropa has a, it's actually a wilderness therapy program, but they teach some adventure therapy techniques there. Um, there's some different schools. Um, and then there are, so in the state of New Mexico, as far as I know, it's, um, oh, there's a place in Albuquerque. It's all, that, it's all private um, pay, which I kind of, um, I definitely prefer working with community-based programs, but um, there's a private pay program in Albuquerque, and I think it's called Cottonwood Gulch, and there's the Mountain Center in Tusuki and uh, Tewa Root Society up here in Nambe. Um, so there's some options for getting some of that training. Um, more and more different educational programs, like Santa Fe Public Schools even, um, for like the Office of Student Wellness is really um, trying to train teachers in experiential methods. And um, so, yeah, just keep an eye out for, you know, some of the keywords are going to be like experiential, um, adventure, activity-based. They're also like um, rec programs. So like rec centers and um, even like I'm thinking Turquoise Lodge, which is a recovery center in Albuquerque. They have... Um, 
they have therapeutic recreation staff there. So it's more like, um, you know, going to the gym together and kind of like just integrating some therapeutic elements into the client recreation. But um, yeah, just kind of look out for, you know, something <laughs> along those lines. And, um, you know, as long as you're learning like techniques for for working with people and engaging them in, in kind of a novel way, that's probably knowledge you can apply to adventure therapy. That's interesting and like a lot, but not a lot, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, Amy helped us a lot with our podcast and she helped us a lot um, getting started. She actually has her own podcast. And um, can you explain like, um, I guess, what your goal or is um, with your podcast and um, where can they find it? People find it. Sure. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for letting me plug my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My podcast is called Talk Therapy. Um, It's a podcast on Anchor, but it's on most um, common listening platforms like Apple, Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, and a a bunch of others. Um, And you can also, if you just want to look at my Instagram, I always have um, links and info about the new episodes on there. And so um, my Instagram is amygordon1985. And uh, you're welcome to find me there. The podcast is, um, it's always around some kind of therapeutic topic. And originally my thought was that I would interview like one professional in the field and one person with like experience being maybe more of a client um, or something along those lines. It's really morphed into me generally interviewing two people with um, just some contrasting views about whatever the topic is. Um, I, I usually incorporate some um, elements of social justice into the conversation. And um, one other thing that I keep in mind is like what I didn't learn in grad school. So I like to cover topics or at least um, have the content kind of um, be based around and discuss things that I just never learned in grad school that I think would be really helpful for clinicians to know. Um, but I, I try to make the podcast really accessible. So it's not just for clinicians. I try to make it so that anybody can listen and and learn a lot from the program. So yeah, that's talk therapy. Um, what are some, can you tell us some topics you talk about? Sure. Um, so uh, I think I'm going to record one in the next few weeks on working with children, which I didn't, I mean, my grad school had a, we had like a, a human development class. And then we also had uh, like a certificate program in children's and infant mental health, but that, that wasn't required curriculum. So most students never learned about that. Um, and so, uh, that, so anyway, that's just a topic of interest for me because, you know, the brain is just changing and growing so much, like, you know, when you're a child. So it's just, it's a really formative age and, um, there's a lot of considerations around that. Um, some of my topics center around like queer identity. So I've got one about, um, intersex folks, uh, one about non-binary folks. So it's just like working with, you know, non-binary folks or intersex folks, um, I've got one on adventure therapy. It's my first episode because I just <laughs> love the topic. Um, so I go on and on on there. Um, and let's see, harm reduction when it comes to substance use. Um, yeah, so just some like fringe topics, I guess you could say. So if someone wants to reach out to you for more information or they do want you to be their therapist, where can they find you at? 
Sure. Well, you can definitely uh, check out the Tewa Roots Society webpage. Um, my contact info is on there. Um, you can always reach out to me too via email a gordon a g o r d o n at nambepueblo.org. And I think just since this is like a public um, thing, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna give out my phone number <laughs> right now. But um, but you know, if you hit me up, I'll give you my number and we can talk. Um, thank you. Well, it looks like we're reaching the end. Is there anything you'd like to add on, or something um, we missed asking you? I don't think so. Um, just thank you so much for having me on, you two, and, and the whole crew, you know, but, but you two are doing great work for sure. Thank you. We enjoyed having you. We did, yeah. Um, you were a big help for all of this, and we wouldn't really, I guess, you'd still be learning a lot if you didn't have your own podcast, so thank you. Oh, my pleasure. My honor. <laughs> well, it looks like uh, we are reaching the end. Um, I want to say thank you again for Amy and um, Laura for coming on. Um, we appreciate you guys. And um, thank you for our listeners for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We appreciate it very much. You can follow us on our Instagram at Indigenous Seeds and at Terra Root Society. You can also find um, Amy's contact info there. Uh, remember to try to smile and hope you all have a beautiful, safe rest of your day. Bye.